welcome back to another box to box episode after our football holidays. Obviously, we tried a bit different last episode. Jesse, have you recovered? Well, I mean, it wasn't really such a big football holiday, but do you want to summarize what we did in France? Yeah, we had a fun, fun little football holiday. Um, I it called the episode football holidays because that's what we call it <laughs> to each other. So I thought, why not call it to everyone else that? Um, but yeah, we went out to Lyon, watched Arsenal surprise everyone. That was shock. That was shocking. Got a very exciting train. Maybe the highlight of the trip that wasn't included for, in for the context. Episode. Just you really likes anything double decker. Love double decker, tram, train, tram, train. Yeah, exactly. This was a double decker train. Can I just quote you, Jesse? Yeah. If this is how I die, <laughs> I will be happy. <laughs> I don't know what. Why did I think I was going? I don't know what was happening there. But yeah, it was very, very quick. Then we were in Paris. What did we do in Paris? I've Got some pizza. A very boring football game. Watched a very boring football game. You sat next to someone important in the stands. I got to sit next to Christy Mears uh, at the football match, which was the second time that week I'd hung out with Christy Mears. So she's probably going to think, I'm I'm glad she wasn't at the Brighton game last night because she would have thought I was following a rat. And then we just went home. Not too bad. So yeah, a lovely little quick trip. Met, met and chatted to lots of nice people. Yes, Leon fans deserve a, a little shout out. They do a little tailgate in the car park after every match and they invite the away fans to come join them. And they serve kind of uh, saucy salt and some bread and some wine and some beer. It's very wholesome. Yeah, they they said, you know, come and join us in the car park afterwards for drinks. And me being British, I'm obviously thinking it's like some horrible tinnies from the newsagent. But then it being France, it's like, yeah, saucy salt, nice bread and like really fancy, like yummy bottles of wine. I was like, wow, they do it differently out here. Uh, but yeah anyway we recorded that episode something different something live uh we're gonna give it that was the first time out so it was probably our, our, our worst episode from the future ones but yeah we'll, we'll continue doing that throughout the champions league and whatever football holidays that we're going on which the next one is in nine days i believe yeah do you want to say what we're going to do okay we're gonna go out to madrid for el clasico real madrid barcelona we have our tickets, we're secured in, and we're going to do that for the weekend. And we'll 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 record on some sangria. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. Obviously, that Sunday is gonna be full of football with Chelsea Arsenal men. Then there's Chelsea women, I think, Arsenal women play that day as well. And then we have a classic one the evening. So that's gonna be a full day of football, pretty much. So that's quite exciting. But yeah, we'll record live. But let's get into the football. We're going to do Wolfsburg Bayern, Arsenal Liverpool, Chelsea Brighton, West Ham Reading, Tottenham Man City, some of the Spanish stuff, obviously Barcelona, uh, Real Betis, and the NWSL, which I, for one, actually watched the match last night, Jesse. Wow! I, sn- I, I snuck know. NWSL into the script because Alex famously is not an NWSL fan, but... I Famously. I watched. I did yes. watch the San Diego yeah match. I don't think either of us obviously stayed up to watch uh Casey Current versus OL Rain, but hey hey. No, that probably wasn't my thing to to be worth staying up for. But I did watch the San Diego one, so we can talk about that. So you actually got lucky there. But let's start with Wolfsburg two, Bayern one. Wolfsburg now five points clear of Bayern, who are also three points behind. 
unbeaten Eintracht Frankfurt. I am so upset that they're not in the Champions League. I'm very, very sad because I think they could have potentially gotten to the group stage. Well, actually, not if they would have gotten Arsenal, but if that draw would have gone differently, I think they could make it to the group stage easily. But yeah, Wolfsburg dominance and deserved winners, but also rode their luck at times, especially at the last last 10, 15 minutes post here and there from Bayern Munich. That was a bit um, shaky, but Oberdorf Stanway midfield battle. Stanway lucky to stay on after that tackle on then Oberdorf. That was a bit of a late tackle and a high tackle. And she definitely deserved a second yellow for that. But we're going to move on because they were laughing at the end of it, um, which is quite cute. But Jesse, what do you think of this Oberdorf Stanway midfield batter? Has it is it going to be one of those that gets they get away with a lot of things because referees know that what to expect from them. Mm, I don't know. I think, I do think Oberdorf gets away with a lot. And yeah. I think Georgia Stanway gets away with less because of her rep. But this definitely, Stanway should have been sent off for this. It was pretty bad tackle, to be honest. And obviously if this game goes a different way, like Stanway basically creates Bayern's goal almost immediately after this. And if, this ends in a draw or something and you're a Bayern fan, you're just absolutely, uh, you're a Wolfsburg fan, you're just absolutely fuming. I think Wolfsburg deserved to win, even though they didn't create a huge amount of player cut opportunities. They were just, they just felt in control until Bayern got one back and then it kind of descended into a bit of panic for the last 15 minutes. But I think you just saw that it just felt like, and, and we've talked about this, that Wolfsburg's squad depth, just there's so much that they can do, even though Tabea Vasmov's out at the moment for a couple of weeks. You know, they were bringing on John Stottier, they were bringing on Eula Brand right at the very end. And I actually thought Bayern subs were really good, but they're not like... Amazing. Not Wolfsburg level of subs. Yeah, they're not like players who are like, wow, these are typical game changers. And and then and maybe that's naive because the Bayern the Bayern subs were really good. And actually in those last 15 minutes, right, Bayern were on top, although I think that was like a bit of a, a mentality thing. Also, we have to talk about that Svenja Hood goal. There were so many good goals this weekend. That was such a good goal. She hits I've so that so many times. And the thing is that most players would back out of that because there's another defender coming at her like quite quite hard as well. Um, but she literally just somehow gets the volley, jumps over the defender's leg and then just goes off to score before the wall even goes in. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. But also, as you mentioned, yeah, I think George Samuel should have gone off. And if Byron would have equalized, I think Wolfsburg probably would have said something about that a bit more. If they were supposed to be if Byron were supposed to be man down and they equalized, that would have been really, really shit. But Jesse, you want to have your, your go at? why Jan Satir came on before Yule Brand? <laughs> I, I was just surprised, personally. I mean, look, I think Wolfsburg have, in Jan Satir and Brand, two exceptionally exciting young players. Personally, for me, I do think Brand is a level ahead of Jan Satir. But I also, I, I guess... Maybe Jon here is the slightly more direct player, mm. whereas Brand, I feel like, is maybe a bit more ahead on having 
some of that footballing, more footballing intelligence around like link up play, which isn't to chat shit on John Sotter. I think it will come. I just think that's yeah. where the brand is. And it I makes think sense. That, I think that might be the nature of, you know, like how she played in like a Hoffenheim team, which is quite focused on build up and things like that. But I was kind of surprised to see to see John Stotter come on ahead of Brand. But I guess this is kind of the advantage Wolfsburg have. Like I know they don't have a tough Champions League group, but they have midweek matches, and maybe you just say, okay, we gave one. I don't actually don't know who played like in the in the week, but like we give one player more minutes one game, next player more minutes the other game, and, and that's how you kind of rotate through your squad and, and keep everyone happy. But, yeah, I was surprised just because I think in a in a game of this level, I would have turned to Brand, but then we all know that I'm just a massive Eula Brand simp, so when wouldn't I? I would have started her probably, so... <laughs> no, but I agree, though, especially when you look at the way that she played in the Euros, you would expect her to naturally just have a better link-up play with her German teammates than Jan Sotir does but then yeah Jan Sotir is kind of that player that gets in the middle of everything not in a bad way but like you look at that assist that she had for Ewa Bayo at midweek in the Champions League she's that player that gets on the back of the ball and just does something with it whether it's like very very tiny detail but yeah Yulebrand is I don't know I do like Yulebrand better just because she is an over I think she's a more holistic footballer than Jan Sotir at the moment um, but another youngster to look out for, Jesse, you spotted this, texting me, and we <sighs> talked about how stupid the Germans are for developing. <laughs> there was something you said that was funny. I was like, what are these Germans giving birth to? Or something along <laughs> those lines. Yeah, well, talking about the Bayern subs, they brought on um, Francisca Kett, who I'd literally never heard of before, uh, who's 17 years old, and I thought she looked... She did not look like she was coming on to play you know, in front of 20,000 people, like, with Bayern 2-1 down. Yeah, exactly. And there's not, like, I couldn't find much about her on kind of the English internet. I didn't bother to delve into German internet. But it, she's just, like, I think she came from, like, a, a smaller team, like, a couple of years ago, was in the Bayern Munich Zwei, and then as and then got, like, a professional contract with, with the first team. But it's kind of crazy that I already feel like Clara Bull's, like, a an old hand, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's really weird. When you, when you actually look at her age, you're just like, um, okay. This felt like another player in that kind of mould. And, yeah, it is just, like, when you look at all of these young... German players, you know, like we're talking under 23. They're winning a World Cup soon enough. Yeah, Bull, yeah. Brands, and then you look at the other players coming through, it's just crazy, the the development that's clearly happening. And I think what's what's interesting about Kett coming from like a smaller team is like, obviously, it seems to me, at least, that the German grassroots system is obviously also producing talented players who can move to a bigger team but like when they're 14 15 it's not just players who are going through like the academies and all that yeah like Eula Brown was at Hoffenheim for like ever and ever and ever right yeah. but this is obviously you know it's having different pathways which I think is something that in England people have spoken about a lot and like problems with diversity like stemming from this that mm-hmm. maybe there is only that one academy route so if you're not by an academy it's kind of not happening for you yeah yeah that's definitely that's definitely how I see it here at least like if you're playing grassroots and you're trying to work your way up it's basically impossible you have to start at academy quite young to actually get anywhere and that's like any academy because it's basically if you go to a smaller club I I put quotes like you can't see that on the audio (laughs) Um, if you go to a smaller club academy 
then that's how you step into bigger club academy but you can't go from grassroots to big club academy like it's just like i haven't really heard of it um so it is it is quite interesting the development of germany but it's just i just i whenever i speak about germany i just i'm baffled by their squad depth like from start to finish you have elite players like it's just like Laura Freigang starter for Eintracht Frankfurt doesn't get a minute on the national team Sydney Lohmann another one I okay let's not talk about Sydney Lohmann because she's injured <laughs> <laughs> but Sydney Lohmann another one you know a really important player for Bayern Munich doesn't get that many minutes for Germany so you look at squad depth and just the Germany the Germany the Germans just have like unreal talent from start to finish but for Bayern Munich, I agree with this, Jesse. Damjanovic, I think she's a really underrated player. Whenever she comes on, she does something quite good. And it's always quite impressive, everything that she does. And she doesn't really get rec- recognition for because we don't like we never really talk about her. And that's on us as well. But she's always been that consistent player that Bayern have always had and have always needed. Do you think she should be starting for Bayern Munich? Yeah, I was again. I was just really impressed with her energy and and physicality. And I think maybe this the physicality thing, aside from Georgia Stanway, is where Bayern lost out a bit because it just felt like Wolfsburg were so dominant, and Leia Schuler I thought really struggled to get into the game. And when Damjanovic came on, it was suddenly a bit more like, yeah, I am gonna like shove my way through the box. And they played Damjanovic and Schuler together towards the end, right? So. I know she has like been starting, you know, but I guess when this is Wolfsburg Bayern, we could say that these were the two first choice teams for each manager, mm-hmm. right? And I just wondered if if maybe they did need that that extra level. And obviously that front three at Bayern, like the first choice one does feel quite set right now. And I mean, obviously, like Linda Dobbins had a like ridiculous start to the the season, so like that kind of makes sense too. But yeah, I was just really impressed with with what she brought towards the end of the game, and she's obviously someone who's you know struggled with injury and stuff, and maybe not quite had the career that that we might have expected to have a couple of years ago. But she's only twenty seven, and yeah, it could be interesting one I think for Leah Schuler, and I wonder if Leah Schuler needs to feel like she's being pushed for that place because. I do think that she's a phenomenally talented player, but she's now what? How old is Leah? Comfortable. Right, I have it here. I can tell you, she's twenty four. Yeah, and yeah, she is comfortable. She's been like the starting striker for that Bayern team for for a long time, and she was maybe unfortunate when she got COVID at the Euros. Alex Pop kind of took her place as the starting Germany striker, but really, Schuler should have been in a position where no, you know. Pop had a ridiculous Euros and it was a feel-good story, but it never felt like Schuler had like done enough for us to even be having the conversation. Like, should Schuler be starting or should Pop be starting? And that's really, I think, where she needs to be. Yeah. No, I agree with that. She's she's one of those players that you don't really understand because she's you know that she's good and she's always in the conversations when you talk about the Champions League, you know, top goal scorers, Leo Schuller always comes up, but she always comes up as an afterthought, more or less. Mm. Like, when you think about her, you kind of forget about her because she's just, she's not consistently, like, an Alex Pop level of, you know, efficiency. And, yeah, you look at this Bayern bench, and you don't really have anyone pushing her. Emily Laurent, obviously, I like her, but 
she's more of a, a wide player, so she's not really going to compete for that. And she's not getting enough minutes to score <laughs> as many goals as she probably could. But it is quite interesting to see that, like, when you look at the Bayern starting eleven, it's a really strong one. But then you look at the bench and it just kind of dilates a little bit. Whereas you look at the Wolfsburg bench and it kind of stays steadily on that level for the most part. I was really happy for Millie Froms. It was quite cute to see her celebrate after the match. Uh, she's had an amazing year, so she kind of deserves that a lot. Yeah, she had a good game. Yeah, she did. I think we all agree that Wolfsburg probably deserved to win that one over Bayern and, and the, in terms of how they played. Let's move back to the WSL before we head off to Spain. Liverpool nil, Arsenal 2. Leah Valti's first WSL goal in five seasons. It was a good goal. It was, she really, when you look at the slow motion of how she, when the, the trajectory of the ball, and it just glides into the back of the net. That was very satisfying. Jesse, what did you think of Leah Valti? Yeah, she hit it much better than someone who has only scored one Arsenal goal ever previously yeah. in the FA Cup. I was like, that's crazy. But the, you one know. Goal, the one goal before that was quite good to be, it was off the corner kick and she hit it first time inside of the foot volley into the back of the net that was quite decent so she's obviously got it in her maybe the goals will just flow now maybe she was just you know how we say like a striker or they just need the, the first one to go in and then they'll come maybe leo volti will win the golden boot <laughs> leo volti hat trick in the next game watch yeah. <laughs> okay should, should we get back should we get straight into the big biggest topic of this game there's only one real topic of this game to talk about i think Manai Wabuchi, obviously <laughs> yeah well that that was that was i Okay, we we can touch on that quickly because I really thought it was really disrespectful for Jonas Pedron for literally a minute and a half. Why do you think it's disrespectful? Because they didn't we didn't really have a reason to kill any time. And like when you look at the situation around Mana, she obviously wants to play, she's working hard. And the other day someone asked Jonas about her and he was basically just like, Yeah, she's working really hard, she looks really well and she's getting closer and closer and like when the time is appropriate she'll have her moment kind of thing which is like it's something you say about a young player coming through like you don't say any like you wouldn't really say that about an established player who we all know is a really good player and just has it's a really unfortunate situation to be in but like when you're not we don't need to kill any time and you know like she's going through a tough time like why would you put her on for a minute and a half and then obviously she was distressed at the end of it so was Viv I would assume because of that it's just like it's just not a good feel it's just not really like a yeah I don't know it's just something that's when you kind of need to take care of your players because I'd, I'd assume Jonas would know that what that would do to her so I don't know I just it just kind of pissed me off to see her so upset and it's just like she has every right to like if that's the her only minutes against a Liverpool for example you're up 2-0 yeah, I mean, I have not sympathy for Jonas, but I do think he ha- he has a bit of a problem in that there are a number of players in his squad who are obviously Joe Montemuro players. And this actually leads quite nicely into maybe Miedemar is also potentially one of those players. Mm-hmm. He also now has four players who all... Oh, actually, maybe the best one of those four players right now is the one who doesn't need to solely play at the 10 in Prudemanum. But you have Viv, who's basically saying she wants to play at 10. And then Jordan and Mana both also want to play there. So like a couple of months ago, everyone was talking about how Jordan didn't get any minutes. Now at least she gets like half an hour at the end of every game or whatever. But then it's like, well, you can't play 
three yeah. players at the number 10. That's hard. So I think it was a bit bizarre. I don't know. You know, contracts are murky creatures at the best of times, but especially in the WSL, but whether it was possible for Manor to move. But I just feel like this was so obvious that she wasn't going to carry on getting, like she still wasn't going to get minutes this season. Yeah, it's a tough, I think her position also is really tough. Because you look at every other position, the rotation is decent enough. Well, I think the only rotation, well, lots and stuff get rotation at center back for obvious reasons. Uh, but I think the rotation at fullback is quite decent because there's only two players for that. So you can rotate between them. But then you look at the midfield and you need to, I think especially the midfield is such a co- like a complex part of the pitch that you need to, it's not as easy as fullback. Like fullback is a bit easier to to kind of change the style of play and change the, the players, whereas midfield, it's kind of the the nucleus of everything. And if you change that drastically, to something that you don't want then obviously it changes but yeah I just think it's an unfortunate position to be in you just look at Manu she's literally the sweetest person in the entire world and you just feel for her but let's talk about positives Frida Manum in the midfield has been outstanding it was a great goal to begin with um she took that really really well controlled composure blasted that into the near post I think you can tell you've always been able to tell what we thought Freedom Adam comport to the midfield. And we said it in the episode before the Champions League. We did say we want Freedom Adam to play against Leon. So kudos to us. Freedom Adam has just always brought that energy. But then when she plays in that her natural position, she just brings all her football skills out a lot more than what you would see if she was playing as a as a deep line midfielder, for example. But Jesse, the big question, what does Jonas do about Vivian Minima? Yeah, this is the problem, right? Because I think Marnham's obviously been exceptional. We kind of talked about it a bit in our football holiday episode as well. But against Leon, she just brought so much energy. Her press was exceptional. Her quality on the ball was exceptional. And she is just a more robust player than Viv. And I think the nature of how Jonas Eidevel wants his Arsenal team to play is he wants players who are really going to be able to kind of rough up in inverted commas their opponents but like he wants them to be you know physical that was the whole rationale behind signing Steiner and moving Viv back was that he wanted a more kind of rush number nine box yeah exactly and the Marnham situation has always been bizarre because again Jonas also said that you know it's this funny story where when he interviewed at Arsenal, they were like, if you could sign a midfielder, who would you sign? And he was like, Freedom on him. And then they were like, haha, we've already signed her, but it's a secret right now. Okay, great story. But then I was like, well, then why did he never fucking play her? Because those first three games at the start of last season, all anyone could talk about was how, like, Freedom on was going to, like, rip up the WSL. And then she obviously got shunted around. She didn't look as good at the six or the eight. No, it was just natural just because it's not, like, she. she's bluntly said it. She's like, it's not my position. Mm-hmm. And I'm still learning. So she's obviously going to look uncomfortable in it. But my word. But yeah, she looks great. It really suits Arsenal. And it's kind of hilarious that, I mean, look, it's two games. So, like, I will hold <laughs> my breath on it. But it would be kind of amusing if, like, you look at last season when Arsenal were kind of having these limp performances against Birmingham and struggling against Wolfsburg in the Champions League, you know, losing to Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final, that if they maybe had the answer on the bench kind of the whole time. But he does have a problem because what do you do about Viv? I feel like right now, this like wrist injury she's got 
is a little bit of a, you know, he, he said it was tactical though, right, against Leon, but I think it probably helped that I think it was quite clear that Liv definitely wasn't entirely up to it. Like, even when we were watching her warm up, she obviously had like almost zero movement in her wrist, which I can't be pleasant regardless. Yeah. To be fair, she did, I thought she did look good when she came on as a sub against her before. But this is the thing, she came on at the nine. Yeah. He's brought her on against Leon and at Liverpool as the striker. As the nine. So I don't know. I thought she looked good against Liverpool when she came on, but I think that's again you're coming on for 10, 15 minutes. You might as well do decently. And I think she did that. But then yeah, before and after the match, you can tell she's just, just like in kind of in a weird slump mood, which is quite interesting. But I mean, if Freedom Adam is working. It's not such a bad thing to have. I mean, to be honest, I'm not really too crazy on how Viv has been performing as a 10. No one has. No one likes it. No, because she hasn't had the impact at all as what everyone expecting. Like, she had that one great assist last season, and then everyone was just like, including us. Like She could have made that exist uh, assist anyway. From the nine. That's the thing, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, she, she does drop back. So if she dropped yeah. back and, like... Okay, so Stina wouldn't have been on the pitch necessarily, right? But, like, Beth Mead's running there. Like, there's no reason that assist can't happen mm. because of the the kind of striker Viv is. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. I think that she's definitely not performed as good as we all expected, as probably maybe she expected as well, because we were expecting kind of a, a really, you know, top goal-scoring number 10 that would be a goal scorer and a sister, basically. And she hasn't really done any of that. And when you look at Freedom Manor and what she... I mean, Freedom Manor is basically doing what everyone expected Viv to do. She's that bolstering number 10 who has who has scored already in two matches, has assisted in the Champions League. And she provides that energy and that also ball recovery that I think Viv has always been good at, but hasn't really shown that either. But Liverpool were able to put Arsenal under some pressure as the game went on, but Arsenal held firm, even though there was a couple of moments where you kind of held your breath. Was this game state or is it a worry for Arsenal, Jesse? Yeah, I was feeling pissy yesterday because I was nervous about Chelsea because I hate playing last on the weekend because it's just the pressure just ramps up as everyone like wins and you see their performances. So I had to text the group chat and be like, am I just being a dick or at Arsenal? Like, which is the usual this classic usual. yeah it's normally the former <laughs> but yeah I just thought and maybe this should be credit to Liverpool as well they've had a tough start to the season right they've not looked great in a lot of games but they've, they've played a lot of tough ones and they obviously do have good players I think specifically what I would say about Arsenal is that I thought they looked poor in defensive second phases so Liverpool had quite a few corners. They've obviously got the Megan Campbell long throw. And it just felt like Arsenal weren't very good at clearing mm. the ball when it came in. And that was what was then opening up these second chances. You know, case in point is the the moment, I guess, where there's the Caitlin Ford handball, which I, I'm just not going to say anything. And But then that's, that spills through anyway. To, and Emma Coivisto should have scored regardless. But again, it's just like, it just felt like there was a sense of like panic. Mm, I thought the communication between the defensive line and Manu Zinsberger wasn't as clear as usual. Mm. There was a few times where there was one specific time that I remember that the ball was dropping. Manu Zinsberger got down on her knees ready to catch the ball into her chest. And Steph Catley came in and cleared it and conceded a corner because of it. I think Manu was a bit upset at that. I don't know if that's panic or it's just 
not really used to obviously Steph Catley isn't used to playing center back for Arsenal. Lotta is Lotta. So I think I don't know if they're a bit on the edge still getting used to playing with each other because at that, that moment you know when the communication isn't the best between center backs and, and keeper it's usually because something's just like just not right because usually that's kind of spot on it needs to be spot on but I do agree that's it's there was little moments like that that you kind of worry about it a bit but because it was such sporadic moments throughout the match I'm not too worried either I guess the only thing I would say is Leon's goal also comes from a second phase defensive yes. You're on to something here, Jesse. Just something to keep an eye on. And I'm just going to say, Jonas, I heard you talking about clean sheets again. We all watched Melby Millard score in midweek, okay? Yes, basically. That was that is quite funny. Yeah, the clean sheet thing is quite interesting because it's not it's not like we've we've played a shit match, basically, like on a lot of those matches. And yeah, like it's only WSL. Like you look at every other context. All the FA Cups that we lost, all the Conti Cups that we lost, and all the you know, Champions League goals that we conceded. So it's just like not really as nice as he makes it seem. I think also like from a data perspective as well, like I had a look and if you look at Arsenal's um, expected goals against this season, across the run of games, the rolling average is not dissimilar to Chelsea's from open play. Like, so if you take out the, the penalties, basically Chelsea conceded against Liverpool. But Chelsea have conceded goals to Everton, West Ham, etc., etc. So I think Chelsea have already conceded four goals this season or something. But which I guess just shows you like how quickly these things can yeah just pass by yeah basically. But talking about Chelsea, got the win over Brighton, broke the curse. <laughs> um, even though it was a swimming pool, someone tweeted. I think was it on Twitter, or Instagram. There was like a nice water polo match going on right now in Brighton. That pitch <laughs> was dreadful. That yeah. was. That was really, it's so uncomfortable, like not even the ball. So whoever didn't watch, it was basically waterlogged, but not to the point where the game got cancelled. But like the ball was not rolling. Every time the ball bounced, you just saw a big splash of water coming up. And obviously the players are basically just stepping in puddles for the entirety of the match, which is uncomfortable to begin with. The fact that your feet have to be wet for 90 minutes in a football match but a lot of changes for Chelsea uh Anik Nawan and Jess Carter in for Kadisha Buchanan Magda Eriksson do you want to start with what you thought about that yeah I thought Jess Carter was immense I agree do you think that's because she's not been playing no I just think she's good now like (laughs) she played almost every game last season and she was good and I just think she is now a good defender and she looked she made the whole defence, I think, look more comfortable, look more relaxed. Some of the blocks she put in, it was like karate kid stuff. She was like, "Wacha!" and like kicking the ball away. I was like, how's she getting her leg that high in the air and like so accurate? And it was just, she brought everything that that Chelsea defence has missed this season. Just, I think, in confidence of being like, oh, you're running at me the ball. I'm going to get it. I'm going to make that last ditch tackle. I'm going to make that clearance. Whereas I think with Buchanan so far this season, it's felt like every action she's done has had a bit of a like 50-50 nerves to it. So she's made some good recovery tackles and things like that. But it's a bit like, well, she won't she? Whereas Carter, it was just like, it was confidence. And it was crazy to see, right? Because you don't a really, year ago... You wouldn't really associate confidence in Jess Carter. No, and I kind of wouldn't have blamed her if she had been you know a bit rusty or a bit unconfident because 
yes, she went to the Euros, but she played all of that 10 minutes, which is more than some people got, to be fair. So, you know, she did get the little cameo against Northern Ireland, which I did always think, wow, Serena must like her because I feel like it was saying something Mm -hmm. when... When Serena plays you, you know she likes you. And she was the only one kind of out of that group of players who didn't play at all to get even like a little bit. But then, you know, she's obviously not started for... She's not played a single minute for Chelsea this season. But, you know, she she just signed this massive deal, right? A three-year deal or whatever. And I, you know, I know lots of Chelsea fans are a bit like, why is she she doing this? She's not playing right now. Is she going to play? And also what made me so happy is not enough in this Chelsea team do players come in and take opportunities like that? Yeah. So often we talk about Chelsea having a strong squad and a, and a really talented bench, but it feels like those players, when they come on, they don't make the most of it. Whereas I think Emma Hayes and Denise Reddy and, and Chelsea have a, have a problem now because I think you have to play Carter, but do you play her ahead of Magda? Do you play her ahead of Kadisha? That's the thing though. What's, so obviously Chelsea Viaz now... I think Chelsea have the opportunity to kind of experiment there a bit. Um, then Aston Villa on the weekend and then Man United after that. What would be... Would you still stick with the back four? I think if I was being totally honest and ruthless right now, I don't know if I'd play the back four because we switched to the back four in this game for the last half an hour and I thought we looked a lot worse. I thought we looked a lot stronger in the back three. I think we can agree that Chelsea always look better with the back three. With the players that they have right now and how the players are playing. So I would honestly be inclined to say you drop Magda Eriksson and you play a back three of... Do you drop Magda? I'm re- I can't decide because I thought Magda looked cooked last night when she came on. Mm. But I also think it was a really hard game to come into because the way the pitch was was making it really hard to read, and it doesn't really surprise me that the players who came on really struggled to get up to the pace of the game. Yeah. So I think you could. I think you have to play a back three, in my opinion, and I think you either have to play Magda, Jess, Millie, or Jess, Millie, Kadisha. And I think that's the thing. That's what I'd like to see. And maybe that's what we should try and play against Vlatsnir or Villa. I would like to maybe see Kadisha at the right centre-back position mm-hmm. before I'm willing to pass judgment. Would you start Kadisha as... Would you experiment that midweek against Vyazna? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I'm not willing to pass judgment really on Kadisha Buchanan, I think, until we see her play in what is her preferred position within a defense another freedom adam situation yeah well exactly right like i just think you can't you can't judge players properly mm. when they're still adjusting to things yeah freedom Adams a great example right like once you played at like the six everyone was like huh <laughs> but then everyone let you play at 10 and so so maybe you go carter bright kadisha because i think there's been a lot of stuff about you know like you've got to play millie bright as the right side of center back because she's you know, probably one of the best right-sided centre-backs in the world right now. Mm. Fine. But I actually think Millie Bright's at a level right now that if you play her in the middle of the three, I don't think you're going to see that much. I would think that would suit her more. Right. I don't think it necessarily would suit her more. Not but I just suit don't her think... more, but I think she would be quite... Because she's good at aerial ball, so she can, like, come deeper than the other two. And, and then... she's not looking to come out with the ball, is she? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, but... But that's just us. <laughs> Who are we? I mean, Jonas took to our Freedom Arnhem advice. So. That is true. And look how it's worked out for him. So you're welcome, Arsenal. Girl right in Sam Kerr arrested as well for Yona writing Canarant. 
we're going JRK for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I'm not going to say that every time. And Bethany England as well. Beth England unlucky to be offside for a few of those goals. But what do you think of that? Obviously, Gura and Samkara have been some of the best on the Chelsea squad this season so far. But Bethany England, I thought she was quite decent. What do you think? Yeah, I think Beth had a good game. Megan Walsh made an amazing save from one of her long-range efforts. Yeah. And I think if that goes in we're saying Beth England had a fantastic game because that is, do you know what I mean? Like, that's just yeah. how it, like... It's just what we associate with, naturally, sadly. Yeah, whereas instead she kind of scored a scrappy goal which she thought Neve Charles had already scored and she was just putting in for the hell of it. Yeah, which quite lucky that she put it in for the hell of it. Yeah, by the sounds of things. <laughs> which I guess is also good. Like, that's make make sure the goal's a goal. <laughs> yeah, it's best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did, I did think she had a good game. I thought she... Did well in the build-up. I thought she made some good runs. Sam came on again for kind of last 15 minutes and she looked rubbish still. Yeah. So You can put that down to the pitch. Yeah, I don't know. But it was some of the decisions she was making as well. Yeah. It was really, really poor. It's because Sam Kerr is still recovering from being interviewed by you, Jesse. Yeah, that's it. We broke I, We broke Sam Kerr. <laughs> we broke Sam <laughs> I do... I, mm, I don't know if I should say this. I'm going to say it anyway because whatever i asked sam kerr what her dream champions league match would be and she said chelsea arsenal at the bridge it would be sick i mm. wouldn't disagree no she said that answered within a second no she hesitation had no doubt. she had that in the back of her mind for a while now let's really race through stuff because we've got quite a lot of stuff to okay, race yeah. through all right i'm just gonna quickly give a shout out to west ham slash a thought about west ham because i love west ham uh, they went into this 3-0 lead against Reading, but ended up only winning 3-2. I just want to say, like, that front three of Kai Vag, Asai, and Lisa Evans is legit. And it, it's is, sexy. it is a really good front three. Yeah. I think Viviana Saeed also doesn't get enough credit for the player that she is. Her finishes in this game were, like, that is such... It's exactly the kind of player, like, a team like West Ham needs, who... When she goes through on goal, she is gonna like slide the ball in really well and make sure it counts, you know. And but they just keep, ugh, no matter how big a lead they go into, they just keep giving up goals. To concede two to Reading is just you know ridiculous. But right. Mackenzie Arnold had to go off injured, so they had to bring on a nineteen-year-old for her debut. But just want to say I'm enjoying Contreski ball. I think it's a lot of fun, and if you're not watching West Ham, I recommend it because they create lots of good chances and they're quite shit at defending. <laughs> <laughs> the pure pure entertainment in the footballing world. That's what we want. Yeah, I do I do have to agree with that. The front three of West Ham is is quite fun to watch. I think also we all know what a player Lisa Evans is when she's on a roll. Um and I do think Viviana C has is overlooked a lot of the time. She has played for decent clubs. Obviously for Bayern Munich was her last club. So she has that level of being good enough and a bit more for West Ham. But obviously it's like where she's gonna be thriving at the most. But Rianne Skinner let us down against gareth taylor classic are we surprised has bunny shaw two goals lauren hemp one goal talking about that west ham front three man city's front three is just stupid i mean bunny shaw is finally getting the minutes that she's deserving she's literally scored basically every match it's stupid but jesse has gareth taylor found his magic formula i think with this i will say that whilst i think spurs are bad we should give credit to City winning, what, 4-0 last week, 3-0 this week. Clearly, the hemp, Bunny, Kelly, 
situation is clicking. I still have doubts about what they'll look like against the Chelsea and Arsenal United. Yeah, we know what they look the like against Chelsea. Thing. But also, they did lose to Villa at the start of the season, so something wasn't working there. And props to Bunny Shaw. Like, she's an amazing player, and all Man City fans should probably be thankful that Ellen White retired, so Gareth Taylor had to play her. Basically, the only person that didn't know that was Gareth Taylor. All right, Alex, but I found Barcelona really dull. Barcelona, three, Real Betis, nil. I was watching Chelsea men, Man United at the same time, so it was just a general boring afternoon of football. But give me your Barcelona hot take. I thought it was quite boring as well, to be honest. Was the most exciting thing about this game how many goals they had on the pitch? That was so distracting. I don't know how the players managed to... So there was one point where Caroline Graham Hansen, who like came, she came on, right? Yeah. She put the ball out like she she had a heavy touch and the ball went out of play or so she thought it only gone over like one of the pitch lines not the actual pitch line so the real betters player just like picked it up and carried on going because she was just like yeah. a bit confused there was because there was yeah it was one of those pitches well obviously it was a shit artificial pitch to begin with like the ball was just bouncing so much you can tell that it was quite hard as well um, but then on top of that, it had like the goals on the sides, like where you usually do throw ins, like where the full box are, because obviously that's played as like an eight aside pitch or something. So then on top of that, you had all the lines set down on the pitch, and it was just so confusing. And obviously, it's not an ideal pitch to go play on. And I think we know historically as well, Barcelona plays shit on artificial pitches 99% of the time. Whenever they go to an artificial pitch, they just can't, it just hinders the way they're they're used to controlling the ball so much. Um, with the bounces obviously that takes away time from the bomb movement so they always just struggle quite a lot but yeah I thought it was a really boring game and it wasn't a bad you know lineup obviously a lot of players are rested you had Kira Wash, Patrick Haro and Claudia Pina as a middle three which I thought was fine but when you take out when you put Claudia Pina in I think we all know that that brings in something very different but then when you look at the wingers of Chernobyl and Drolfo they don't really bring in the same dynamic as CGH and Mariona so I think that kind of hinders the way Claudia Pina plays when she's in the middle. Because when you look at Claudia Pina and Mariona, when they play together and Claudia's in the in the midfield, I think that makes a huge difference. But now it's a bit more static, I guess. But when you look at Barcelona Grand, they won 3-0. And you look at the results and they're winning by a lot of goals. But I think they're also struggling to get goals as they've... I look at the numbers now, but... There were not a lot of chances from open play in this game. No, they had 23 attempts on goals, seven on target. And three goals from that. So when you have 71% possession of the entire match and you only get seven shots on target, that's not great. Um, so their efficiency in front of goal has been kind of like that for for quite a few matches now. And it is quite dull to watch. But then again, you know, midweek Champions League, they absolutely thrashed and they thrived because the goals weren't just boring tap-ins they were quite entertaining I was doing the top 10 assists for DAZN YouTube and it was basically all Barcelona goals because every single goal was such a nice build-up play that you had to put it in but then yeah you look at the overall general direction of how the team's playing it's not it hasn't really I don't know obviously Atana has just come in so she's obviously going to be part of the in Spanish it's once de gala it's like your your first choice 11 or like your red carpet right so yeah, I think now that Aitana's back, I think Barca can finally start piecing together their, their best starting eleven for those big matches. But obviously we're going to see them in Real Madrid 
And I think that needs to be their best starting 11. So we we can probably expect that. But I, I am quite scared to that, to see how that goes, considering that we're not really scoring as much as we probably should be. But Real Madrid tied 2-2 with Levante. Jesse, unlike the Barca game, you found this game exciting. <laughs> yeah, I watched this game on the cross-trainer at the gym and it was very enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I would not be particularly worried if I was Barcelona about Real Madrid right now because I thought they were quite lucky to get the point here. Lots of this game was just all Levante. Madrid are obviously rotating quite a lot, but they look like a totally different team without Caroline Weir in it. And I obviously didn't watch them against Vlatsnia, but it sounds like that was quite hard work as well. But just felt like there was so much space in behind their defence for Alba Redondo and Mayra Ramirez to exploit. And to be honest, Levante should probably have just wrap this game up but yeah. it was a really enjoyable watch but yeah Real Madrid right now it doesn't quite feel like it it's working well yeah it's hard like I don't know whether they just are trying to rest players because they've got PSG midweek but you know yeah. like there was no Sandy Toletti starting there's no Athena starting Carolyn Weir's out at the moment so you know there were a lot of important players not there but it just feels like I don't know if they underestimated Levante but like this wasn't a game where you could afford to rest lots of players even if you have PSG yeah. midweek in my opinion Levante was always going to be I mean Levante is like one of those teams that's really annoying because they are a really good team but they're never going to get you know they're never going to win the league for example I'm, I mean never say never but they're always consistently in the top top four top five type, top six of the table so that that was always going to be a, an interesting but yeah it was it was quite interesting I thought I do have to say that Abiera scored in high school I'm quite fond of her so we'll see how that goes but obviously Real Madrid quite a big match to lead up to but for NW Stel quickly San Diego Wave lost the playoff semi-final to a last minute goal by Chris it was a amazing it was it was a really good goal ridiculous. by Crystal Dunn it was absolutely ridiculous I think the Thorns probably deserved to win on the balance of play. I thought San Diego Wave started better, but over the like the game, Portland Thorns just were able to get a, a bigger grip on it. And honestly, like Morgan Weaver should have scored the winner way before Crystal yeah. Dunn needed to step up. But yeah, yeah, I think it was I think I saw someone post, I think it was Tony post that like Portland Thorns XG was like 1.7, but their two goals were 0.03 and 0.06, because Rocky Rodriguez is Rocky Rodriguez's strike is like, um, I prefer it to Crystal Dunn's, but obviously Crystal Dunn's just means more. Yeah, obviously. I just thought the power that Crystal Dunn hit that with, it was just ridiculous. But also Kansas City shocked Shield winners OL Reign to win 2-0. So Portland Thorns and KC current in the final. I, I don't know if I watched that just because I'm famously notorious for not liking NWSL. <laughs> Uh, but maybe I will, depending on what time it is. I will say the Thorns versus Wave game was like a great like that, that was, was to be just fair, two that, that very very good teams. Yeah, that, I was quite I was pleasantly surprised and entertained by that match. Uh, obviously, I love Casey Stoney as well, so I really wanted to do well. But few quick things before we wrap up: AC Milan beat Juventus four three in Italy. Roma and Fiorentina currently joint top of Serie A with Juve four points off. Not really what we all expected from Juventus this season at all. But it should be interesting to see, obviously, Juve, if I correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, Juve Leon up next week, well, this week in the Champions League. So I am quite curious to see how two in bad form teams go up against each other. But also World Cup draw, that was quite good. 
we could potentially get Chile England in the same group if Chile win their playoff game, which I I'm I'm gonna back us. I'm gonna say that we will because we should. It will be really bad if you don't. It will be really bad if we don't. But then also our group is gonna be impossible to get out of. So it's um it's gonna be fun. Um, uh, but yeah. UWCL games midweek, Real Madrid, PSG on the Wednesday, Juventus, Lyon on the Thursday. We'll be back to talk about that properly, probably on the Friday. Not a, a recording live on site this week, sadly. There's no football holidays for us. No, but we'll definitely get onto that in literally in about 10 days. So yeah, subscribe. Let us know what you think of the last episode too. We'd love to hear your thoughts on, on what you think of the holiday episodes. And yeah, we'll see you at the end of the week for Champions League.